language, you, you can kind of get dragged into this whole thing that has, has come into our uh, culture, into our nation. Um, but that's not what God's talking about at all, because um, he says there's neither Jew nor Greek. And so the Jews and the Greeks did not get along. Um, they, um, the Jews felt as though they were chosen of God and therefore they were better. And um, we as Christians need to be careful that we don't get sucked into that as well. Um, we, are, we are sinners saved by grace. We're not better because we are Christians, but rather we are the same, except that we've accepted that grace that God offers to us all. And so uh, it doesn't matter to us that, um, that we're not better because we're Christians. We are, uh, we are equal with those around us. And, um, and you know, uh, every once in a while, people will tell me, well, that person is a salt of the earth or, you know, and, and really, we are all sinners. Those of us who have accepted have, have um, come to that through that grace that Christ gives us and therefore become the children of God. Um, neither slave nor free, that class war that is going on. And, you know, the, there's this whole thing about, um, about the wealthy needs to pay their fair share or whatever. You know, this, this whole thing has come about not because of, uh, of what God teaches, but rather what the world teaches. And um, he says there's neither male nor, nor female. That doesn't mean all of the stuff that you've learned uh, through watching, uh, uh, watching your whatever, wherever you're watching. Um, the Bible tells us in the beginning, God created them male and female. So that's obviously not what he's talking about here. So what is he talking about? Men are not better than women. Women are not better than God. In God's eyes, we're equal. And that's what this is all talking about. He says, you know, you need to recognize that nobody, nobody's better or worse than anybody else. You need to understand that you're all the same. And once you understand that you're all the same, that starts you on that journey to unity. But that's not where it ends. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll, I'm going to actually read uh, uh, verses 1 through 8. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1 and go right down to verse 8. He says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So when we look at this, um, we start seeing some more of this unity here. He says, fulfill ye my joy. He says, here's what would make me happy. 
if you were all like-minded. And, um, and so that's, that brings unity, right? If you all think alike. But are we all the same here? We're not all the same, right? Um, so, so everybody has different interests. So how do we become like-minded? And, um, and so, again, we see some of this, um, you know, before when we, in Galatians, what we looked at was that there's no difference. There, we're, we're on equal planes with each other. But here, how do we get there? He says, having that same love, being of one, core, one, of, being of one accord and of one mind, um, he says, in lowliness of mind, in verse 3, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So when you look at others, don't think of yourself, well, I'm better than that person. But if you rather think of them as actually being your better, uh, Christ humbled himself, right? The disciples came to him and, um, and he said, well, I'm going to wash your feet. No, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And, um, you know, uh, they, they balked at that. They said, no, no, you're not going to wash our feet. He says, no. He says, this is, this is how you, this, he's teaching them how to serve. And I remember when Pastor John uh, did his ordination, um, his pastor came from Indiana. And that was what he taught on is that, and it just, it, it was a really neat message to watch. Um, he brought a towel and, um, and he said he, he has a towel in his office to remind him that he's not above cleaning the toilets or above doing whatever. And, um, you know, just recently I was, I was reminded uh, one night uh, working on this building, standing up on a set of staging, Pastor and I were, were putting screws into the ceiling up here. And, you know, just, just seeing that he wasn't here, well, all right, you do this, you know, this... He, he didn't feel that he was above everybody. And, and I like that about our church. There's no, there's no, um, there's no levels. Yeah. And, um, and so, and that's the way it should be, that we should all be esteeming others better than ourselves. And um, Christ himself humbled himself to his servant. He washed his disciples' feet um, and he humbled himself to a man. This is God. God, the creator God, humbled himself to a man. And then he allowed Roman soldiers to nail him to a cross. Allowed them. This is God, creator God. Allowed them to nail him to a cross to be killed. At any time, he could have got off that cross. I mean, you know, what would have prevented him? Only himself. That's only thing that prevented him from coming off of that cross. And, um, and so he humbled himself. He became obedient to that death, even the death of that cross. He, remember, even at the end, he gave up the ghost, right? He didn't, he didn't just die, but rather gave that life up. And, um, and that's important to remember that that's, God humbled himself. And that is an example, and we're going to look more at that in a minute. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to go to verses 4 and 5. So Romans 12. 
in verses 4 and 5. And we're going to look more at, um, at um, how, we, how we get to this unity. And, uh, but keep that in, in mind about, um, about Christ as our example. Uh, Romans 12, 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. So we're members. So, so as we have members in one body, and all members have not the same office, right? We have hands, feet, eyes. Uh, all of these things have different functions in our body. And, um, and so he says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every, every, everyone members one of another. So we have, um, in our church, many different members, and we're all different. We don't all have the same function. Um, you know, there's, there's all different ways for people to serve, um, but we should all be serving God in some uh, in some function. Um, what that looks like for you is different than what it looks like for me. And, um, and so we all, you know, preaching is not what I do. I, I, I'm not a hundred percent comfortable up here. This is not, this is not what I do. I do it because I want to serve and I know it needs to be done. And I enjoy teaching. Um, this is not, Sitting in a classroom is, is more my comfort level. So when I get here, things, it, it, it changes how I, how, where my comfort, you know, my comfort level is not here. But I do it for God. And, um, and I will, and I, and so, so pastor is the one that we, that I look to, to be up here doing this. And, uh, and I know Paul jumps in as well and Paul's comfort level is not even teaching pastor's class. Um, you know, that's, you know, we're not, this is not what we do. We were talking about it this morning that, um, you know, pastor um, not, not being able to do his, his um, function because of his voice this morning, the number of people that it took to fill that position this morning. And, um, and, you know, it just makes us appreciate our pastor that much more. Amen. And, um, and so, so, but we have many different things from cleaning the building, mowing the grass, shoveling snow. Um, you know, I don't even know all the things that happen here um, sometimes. But I know if you, if you were to watch the office for a little while and see the, the amount of work that goes through the office in this building to cause all of the functions that we see from the men's, con uh, men's conference, the ladies' uh, different functions, uh, church camp, um, we've got this ladies' uh, brunch coming up. Um, all of those different things require workers. And so uh, we're going to build this building out here. We're going we're gonna to need a lot of workers to do that. And so there's many members, and they are all useful. I'm going to look at this. Uh, oh, I want it before I move on. Um, they are one body in Christ. And I'm going to look at that again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And there's a very similar passage. Oops. Um, come on. First uh, Corinthians 12. And verses 2 through 26. That's not right. First Corinthians 2. Or First Corinthians 12. That's where I'm wrong. Try this again. 1 Corinthians 12, 2. <clears throat> Is that where I want to be? Yes. Okay. Uh, so starting in verse 2, 12, 2. Ye know that ye were, ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Je Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's important. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. To another faith, by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing, by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now they're talking about apostolic gifts here, so this is not um, necessarily, there's, um, there's, the idea carries over to today, um, but the Bible tells us that many of these gifts, uh, once the, the scriptures were complete, are no more um, manifested. Uh, but, but the same idea carries today as far as different uh, labors in the, in the church. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, divideth he, divideth to every man severally, as he will. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives each of these gifts to each person as he chooses. Uh, verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and having been a made all had been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are, there, are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness." 
for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. So I want to look at, at a lot of this here. Um, and so, again, we see this body is in Christ. So that is what's tying all this together, right? It's Christ. The same spirit, the same spirit in Christ. Um, it's, it's noted down through this. It's, it's weaved in and out through all of this. It's one spirit, one spirit in Christ. And, um, but um, I want you to notice some of the things. There's many parts. There's many parts to this body. And we have, a, you know, if you, if you look at your body, you have many parts to your body. You have, like I said, you have hands, you have feet, you have eyes, ears, nose. Um, I think it's interesting as he, as he goes down through, he says, you know, if, you, if, if everything was hearing, where would be the smelling? And um, that's kind of a thing we take for granted, right? Smelling. And now all of a sudden, with COVID, we lost taste and smell. Many, many people lost taste and smell. And it was, it was a new phenomenon to a lot of people. Um, I never did, um, but I know a number of people did. And, um, and it just, it makes you, makes you think as you, as you go down through here, it's one of those things that you just never really give any thought to, but God did way back, uh, at, you know, uh, always has. Uh, he, he created it for us to use. And, um, and so, but, um, God has all these members and he's placed them as he sees fit. And, um, sometimes you look around the church and you think, well, that person may not be doing what I'm doing. You know, maybe I'm doing so much or, or, you know, um, or whatever. Um, but he says, you know what? Different people have different functions in the church. And, um, and sometimes he says that some are more feeble than necessary. Uh, some are more feeble than others, but they're necessary. And as you look at that, you know, when I, when I read this, I, I thought of my eyes, you know, and I, I work in a shop. In fact, today I was um, crawling under my son's truck and dirt was falling in my eyes and in my face and, you know, just made me think more about my eyes today, um, that I was getting junk in them. And I was looking at things under the truck. That's why I was under there, right? I'm, I'm trying to see this problem and I'm looking, but while I'm looking with this necessary function of my body, my sensitive eyes are being bothered. My hands didn't care. My hands, I've, I've still got undercoating on my hands that I haven't been able to wash off the multiple times that I washed it today. Um, but they're not bothered by the dirt falling, right? The dirt can fall on my hands. My hands were black, black. My eyes were bothered by it, but my hands could not do what my eyes needed to do. So they were sensitive, but necessary. And, um, and, and we have, you know, there's people throughout that are going through. And, um, and here a week ago, 
I was I was trying to load a truck and I, I was trying, my truck is rusted from all of the salt that's been blowing on it and I'm trying to get the, the wheel lift on the truck so I can pick up the back. I'm trying to get the thing out and so I'm hitting it with a hammer and, and finally another guy comes over and he's swinging the hammer and I'm pulling on it, putting pressure on it, and I hit my thumb. He hit my thumb with a hammer. And, um, and so all of a sudden, I wasn't thinking about my thumb until that moment when my thumb all of a sudden became the most important part on my body, right? And you all been there, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a toe or whatever, all of a sudden that member that's being disturbed is the most important thing there, as it should be. Right now, now we need to protect it. You know, I'm going to put stuff over it. I'm going to keep it from getting injured. I'm going to, I'm going to insulate it. Well, that's the way it should be in a Christian family, right? When that person's hurting, when, when one is hurting, we should gather around and protect them. All of a sudden, they hold a lot more importance. We need to bathe them in prayer um, and all of that. And, um, and so we need to... Um, we need to do that. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the things I thought of too is, is my feet. You know, our feet are generally thought of as being very durable, right? They're, you know, they're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna hit something with your hand, you may hurt your hand where if you kicked it, it would probably do better, right? So we use our feet and, you know, I, I go under a car and the wheel is rusted on and I'll, I'll hang from the car and kick the wheel off because it would hurt to use my hands to do it. So I generally use my feet for things that are going to be more uh, painful if I were to use other parts of my body. But all this, you know, but then I go swimming in Lake Champlain with the razor sharp, uh, um, uh, the muscles we have now, now all of a sudden my foot is the most sensitive part of my body and I'm trying to walk on it. And so a very strong, what we think of as a very strong part of our body can all of a sudden be very sensitive. And, um, and you know, we need to think of that with members that, um, you know, maybe we think, well, they're, they're strong, they can take this, you know, whatever. But when they're faced with something that injures them, um, we need to we need to grab onto them just as much as we would somebody who is more sensitive normally. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think God's given us a beautiful illustration here of of different things. And the more you think about our bodies as a picture of our church family the more understanding I think we get of how a church functions. Everything's useful, everything's needful. And, um, and uh, so it, it needs to all be there. Um, I wanna look at um, <coughs> Ephesians chapter four. And um, so go to Ephesians chapter four and we're gonna look at verses 11 through 16. <clears throat> it 
And again, he's talking about how he's placed different people in the church. And that's important to, to understand that um, if we're in the church, God has placed us here for a reason. Um, and we should be looking and seeing, well, what is the reason God placed me here? You know, is it to warm a pew? Is it to, you know, what, what is needful for me? And, um, you know, I believe that God has a purpose to each person that he places in a church. Um, and so he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so as we look down through there, he talks about how he's placed people in the church for specific purposes. Uh, so when you look at that, he says, I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. And, um, and so all of these people that he's placed in the church, he's given different functions to everybody. They're not all the pastor. They're not all the teachers. They're not all um, whatever. The, he, he has different functions. And if you look around the church, you'll see we're not all the same again. And, um, and so he says, what's the purpose what is the purpose of giving different functions um, to different people as they come to your church? He says, here's my purpose for the perfecting of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints. What does that mean? The perfecting of the saints. Who's the saints? It's us, right? Who specifically is saints? Believers. Believers those that have accepted Christ as their savior. So he says it's for the perfecting of those saints. So... Does that mean we should expect to become perfect? No. What does that mean? Perfecting of the saints. How can we, how do we understand that perfecting of the saints? Be made complete. Be made complete. Yep. Um, so, so we're always moving toward perfection. That's our goal, is moving toward perfection. Um, and we'll look at, uh, let's look at it now. Um, verse 13, uh, and says, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So those are the things we're looking for. We're looking for unity in the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. So we're, we're moving toward a perfect man. What perfect man? Unto the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I told you I'd come back to that, where Christ is our example, right? Christ humbled himself. Christ um, did that for us. So we're, we're, we're gonna put Christ as our standard. I love Pastor Taylor, but he's not my standard for my Christian living. Pastor could fall. 
It's happened. Churches in our state of Vermont have had pastors fall bad. Churches split, fell apart because they had their pastor as their standard. I love pastor. He's an amazing pastor. He's an amazing man, but he's not my standard. Christ is our standard, okay? Christ is our standard. Um, John Howard, um, he, he works in a machine shop. Pastor used to work in a machine shop. Um, but John works now in the uh, inspections department of the machine shop. And um, one of the things he showed me uh, a couple of years ago is a standard. And in the machine shop, they have a standard. So it's a chunk of metal. I think it was one inch cube chunk of metal. And it's, it's cut to one inch, exactly one inch. And it's kept in a box that's climate controlled. And so every whatever, every so often, they have a, they have a routine where they pull out all their measuring equipment and they check, they check it against the standard. They don't check it, they don't just measure, like I'm pretty sure this is an inch, yeah, that's good. They check it against a chunk of metal that has been cut to an exact amount. It's kept at a temperature, climate controlled environment, so it's always the same size, and that's what they check it against. They don't check it against anything else. And, um, and so when they have a new piece of measuring equipment or even the old measuring equipment that they've been using for a while, they always check it against that standard. Why? Um, you know, I um, sometimes I'll cut a bunch of pieces of metal and I'll, I'll mark it and I'll cut it and I'll mark it and I'll cut it, but I always use one, I'll take the first one I cut and I want them to all be the same. I'll take the first one I cut and I'll use that down through. If you mark and cut and you take the neck, that one, and you cut and mark and you keep doing that, eventually you're going to end up with a different size piece because any little mistake you made will be exaggerated at the other end because of that. Um, and so you have to have a standard and you always mark that standard so that you always go back to that standard. Our standard has to be Christ. Our standard has to be Christ because he is the one that is perfect. And that's where we're moving toward. And, um, and so what does that mean as far as unity? If we're moving toward Christ and Christ is perfect, then we're all moving toward that perfection. And um, a number of years ago, I, I listened to, I, I, was, I was at a service and, um, and the, the pastor drew a triangle. And, um, and it, was, it was actually a, a Valentine's Day service. And um, so he was actually talking about a husband and wife um, relationship. But after seeing it, I realized that any relationship can be applied to this concept. And it can be a parent-child, it can be an employee, employer, it can be church members, it can be different family members, friends, doesn't matter. Any relationship, friends, acquaintances, enemies, doesn't matter. Any relationship can be applied to this concept. 
in this concept, this person and this person, it's in this example, it was a husband and a wife. At the top is God. As the two move toward God, they move closer together. The closer they get to God, the closer they are to each other. It doesn't matter what relationship. And so, and you realize that as you're moving toward God, you're moving toward each other. Because God is the standard, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, so, so we're coming to that unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he says, you know, once you do that, henceforth you be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. If you've watched recently, I've, I've seen news reports uh, talking about different pastors and the different things, and I use that term loosely as in that con uh, context, but, but they, they're just embracing things of the world in these, in these churches around the world. And, um, and they're carried about with this every wind of doctrine. And why does that happen? It's because they've moved away from God. And when they've moved away from God, they've moved away from the standard. And when you have no standard, you're carried about with every wind of doctrine. And, um, and there's, there's cunning craftiness. They lie in wait to deceive. And you look around, that's for sure, that's what's happening in our nation and in our world is, and, and so-called churches are getting sucked into this. They've removed the scripture from their teaching and their teaching culture. And um, the Bible tells us we're not, we're not, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And, um, and so he says, you need to speak the truth in love. And, and that's important. You know, we, um, the, the society that we're living in is getting more and more to a point of, well, you can't really say that. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can. You know, well, well I, I don't know. Our rights are being, no, our rights aren't given to us by our government. Our rights are given to us by God. And, you know, we may not have the right in this country soon to say from the pulpit. And there's many countries around the world where it is not legal to teach about God in the churches, in our homes, in our families. They will, they will arrest you. They will, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Okay, we have that standard and we have to stand to that standard. We can't go by what our culture is telling us is okay or what Twitter or whatever is telling us is okay. We have to go by what the scripture tells us. And the, the closer we move toward God, the more unity will be. Why? Because there's one spirit. If that one spirit, the Holy Spirit, is guiding you, it's also guiding John and Star and Paul and Tammy and Bill and Dee. One spirit. Amen. And he lives in all of us. If we've accepted Christ as our Savior, that one Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in each of us. And, um, and that's how we reach unity. Um, you know, I, 
I follow politics and I have a lot of ideas how to fix a lot of the problems in this country, <laughs> as I'm sure many of you do. Um, and my thoughts don't always agree with thoughts of those on different places and whatever. But you know, all of my ideas to fix all the problems in our society, they won't work unless everybody's moving toward God. And that's really where we need to go. We need to be reaching our local friends and family, those in the Navajo reservation, those around the world. You know, we need to be reaching people for God. And the more we reach for God, the more unity there will be. I don't know that it's going that way, but that is what the, that is the answer. You know, all the politics is not going to fix it. As much as I follow it and get ideas and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I, I do. I write to my uh, legislators and tell them, um, you know, what I think of the legislation and what I feel they ought to do. And um, they, um, they tell me where I'm wrong. And, you know, but, um, but really... All of that won't bring unity. As much as we like to think all of that, um, it's, it's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that brings about unity. And we need to move toward that standard. Um, so so that's, that's my message for tonight. I, um, you know, I just... I, as I watch the world go into more and more disunity, it just, it troubles me and I, I look for answers. And like I say, I follow the politics and I, 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 you know, I just, um, but, but the Lord keeps bringing these back to me and, um, and, and actually a number of different things. Um, some of this, uh, my Sunday school class heard me, you know, just recently on some of this because of, uh, where the lesson was and 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 so we kind of got into some of that and then um, my uh, my daily Bible devotions brought it up and I, you know the Lord the Lord teaches through repetition you know they say that repetition is is the best teacher and you know we were talking about that in Sunday school this morning as well that um, when the Lord really wants to put a point he he repeats it and um, and he does that in my life just in different venues from, from Sunday school, daily devotions, different things. He just keeps bringing stuff up. And I think it was even in a news article or something that I, that I saw some of this. And, and so I just kept hammering on this one point. And I said, okay, this is, this is what I have. And, um, and so, so the Lord, the Lord works and, and he's, he's moving and we just need to be open to him and, and accept, Amen. you know, that, that unity that he has for us. So let's pray and, or you want to close? Okay. Thank you. So grateful you folks came out this evening. Let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer. And I hope to see you back Wednesday night. Please be in prayer for our team that's coming back from Arizona. And also be in prayer for Patience, pa Patience Thomas. 
uh, patients. I was talking to her dad after services this morning. They had really not wanted us to say a lot about the details of her being in the hospital. But he mentioned this morning, he told me, he says, well, tell the folks to pray for her. She has had a brain aneurysm and a brain bleed. So they tried to remove pressure with one port. They ended up putting in a second port. Um, she's still having fluid drawn off of her brain and it's very critical. So all this week she has been in the hospital. They anticipate her being in the hospital for at least another week and every day is critical. So pray for patience if you would. Amen. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that we've had. We thank you for our church family. Lord, I do thank you for our deacons who step in and help out to make sure the church continues to function as you would have it, Lord. I do lift up before you our church family, as Kurt did so well tonight, talking about the diversity that needs to work towards unity. I do pray that you would uh, be with our, our missions team that's flying back tonight, and Brother Harmon as he's driving all the way to, to JFK Airport. Please give them all safety. We lift up before you patience, Lord, as she's in the intensive care unit, as every day is critical, each step of recovery is critical. I pray that you would be with her, be with her parents and her family. Give them peace and comfort. But most of all, we pray for your healing hand. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you that throughout the decades, we've seen your miraculous hand at work in so many people within our church. So we lift patience up before you tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you for coming out.